This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parshas, Parshas Yisro, everybody, Parshas, Parshas Yisro, 5782, Parak Yud Test Pasuk So here's the Pasuk. We did something very similar. You're good. We did something very similar a couple years ago about this idea, but it, I, I went in a different direction this time. So if I, it's Pasuk Tezayin says, Vayi Vayom HaShlishi, on the third day, Biyos Boker, as the morning rose, Vayi Kolo Suvrakim, there was thunder and lightning, Ba'anan Kaved Alhar, there was a heavy cloud, thick cloud on the mountain, the cold shofar Chazak Ma'udin, a very strong shofar, and everybody was afraid. Everybody became very afraid, everybody in the camp. This is the third day, that's what the Pasuk is saying, since Ben Yisrael and Rekadosh themselves, getting themselves, re- getting themselves ready for Matan Torah. It was actually the 6th to the 7th of Sivan, depending on the Machlokas, Rebios, and the Rabbanon, we don't know exactly when, but definitely Shabbos. That's the idea behind it, it was on Shabbos, just whether it was the 6th or 7th is Machlokas, Rebios, and the Rabbanon. And it all started in the morning. We're well aware of this, for the Pirkei Rebbe Eliezer and Perik Mamalot that says that Ben Yisrael had to be woken up in order to, to get Matan Torah because they were sleeping up until that point. For this reason, the Mugin of Ram says that we have a minute to stay up all night long and Shavuos night to be Matakim for what Bnei Yisrael did wrong. So that's that. The Panim Yafo suggests something over here. He says why they went to sleep. There's a Chassam Sofer over here as well that says Bnei Yisrael expected everything to happen by sunrise, not by dawn, and they were wrong. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted by dawn. But how could they have slept through up until the morning? How, it, it, just the excitement should have woken them up. They knew what was happening the next day. Everybody was told what was happening. They were preparing every day for it. The last three days was being Makadish themselves for this morning. And they slept in that sleep? How in the world can anyone do this? So I asked this question years ago to Rav David Kaplan from Orsameach, who had asked it himself. He said he had asked himself to Remendel Weinbach, the, the Roshiva of Orsameach, that's all, right? And he said the following, and this is the answer that he gave. I couldn't find anywhere, but it's an amazing answer. He says, B'nai Yisrael thought that they were going to receive the Torah in a form of nevuah, And that form of nevuah, which would be something that they could only achieve while sleeping, because only Moshe Rabbeinu could talk to a Kaddish Baruch Hu during the day and while awake. So B'nai Yisrael assumed that it was going to be there. So here's the shot. They actually stayed up all night night anticipating that they were going to have to go to sleep. So they stayed up all night learning whatever they had learned at Mara, all the different things that they had learned at Mara. And then in the morning, right before they were supposed to receive the Torah, they went back to their tents and went to sleep. Why? Because they assumed that Matan Torah was going to happen in their sleep while they were dreaming. And that's how it was going to happen through a form of Nevuah. So they purposely went to go ahead and do it. But a Baruch Hu said, no, I don't want there to be a possible deniability in the future. If Klau Yisrael are given the option to go to sleep, and then they could say later on, it never happened. It never happened. They, we were just dreaming it. It went in our heads. It never happened. HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not want. They wanted them to be alive, standing, awake, to see the vision that was right there in front of them so they would know that it really happened. And that's the other reason why we stay up on all night on Shavuos. To copy what our forefathers did, and then we're supposed to stay awake until Kriya Satora when they read the Aserah Zedibros, because our Tikkun is not to sleep during the laning, but to be awake during the laning so that we can hear the Aserah Zedibros being read during that time itself. Yeah, Shalom. Harsina was a large area. It's a large area, included where they were camped. So what, that doesn't have to be at the mountain itself. Rather, it could be anywhere around there. Yeah, in front of everybody's eyes while they were sleeping. Maybe, maybe, yeah. The was that they heard 
voice and they all died and they brought them back. Well, that, that's after they finally were woken up right. by a Kaddish Baruch right. and they were brought so back, like, etc. But that's why they were sleeping. So, dead, that, well, no, no, no. They were sleeping beforehand. Sleeping oh, okay. up until that point. Then they might have gone to... Either way, but that, that's the idea that he brought down. The Chassam Sofer and Drusha says the people were afraid by Yechrad Kola'am because they really didn't expect this at all. They knew that a Kaddish Baruch was going to give them the Torah but they expected it to be through Moshe Rabbeinu and they would overhear what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying but that they would be fully involved. It's like the most similar answer that I got to Rewind Back that I could get. They didn't think they were going to be involved. And once they got the Torah, they were like, they were shocked. They were sitting there saying, we didn't prepare for this. We prepared to get the Torah to be mechanic ourselves, but not for this. They never expected something like this. And therefore they said, how are we supposed to, they were so afraid they wanted to run away. That's how bad it was, yeah. I mean, the obvious question is, why were they given instructions or prepared beforehand by most part, of our That's own part of what the Torah is supposed to be. It's supposed to be prepare for anything. Get yourself ready for that's anything. Ridiculous. And there was that not there. No, it has to be that well, way. How can they be held? How can they be held, held responsible? Be, What's held responsible? Nobody. What happened to them? No, so they were learning all night. Why was that most like, why are you guys, what do you guys, you know, he must have known what they were preparing to do. According to this of Weinbach. So, maybe there was something that they ended up getting or they prepared for and whatever was Moshe Rabbeinu was happening. He expected them to stay stay up. Maybe to stay up straight, not go back to sleep right afterward. Maybe he got some of them, but he didn't get everybody. Those Nayim Latorah points out simply that this, he hints, that the Torah should be enough to wake us up from our sweet sleep. That whenever a person feels like they need to go to sleep, that's what the Torah is there for, to wake us up, to say, no, 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 you're not supposed to go to sleep. You're supposed to wake up. Now, Rashi says, he says here that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did something that no normal person would do. He waited for B'nai Yisrael to come to him, as opposed to expecting them to be there first, and then he goes right afterward. We see HaKadosh Baruch Hu doing the same for Yechezkel, where he goes into a valley and he allows him to be there. He told him to get up and go to a certain valley, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu was already waiting there for for him, to, for him to come. But Yatsev Avram points out, can you imagine the patience that a Kodesh Baruch Hu had for B'nai Yisrael? He's waiting for them, but not only is he waiting for them, he's waiting for them when they messed up and they went to sleep. Even though they went to sleep, he's still waiting for them, patiently saying, okay, I know you're supposed to be here, I know you're supposed to come. And he waited for us with all the inexcusabilities that we possibly could have come at, at that time. Nonetheless, he accomplished his meet of Erech and therefore, says the Vayatav of Ram, what an unbelievable trait to admire for ourselves that we should have the same type of patience for others. The Chizkuni says, Vayecharad is not a lashon of fear, but rather movement. And he says, the people heard the noise while they were still in bed. And therefore, they realized that a Kaddish Baruch Hu was waiting for them. Once they realized that a Kaddish Baruch Hu was waiting, they immediately jumped up and ran to our Sinai, knowing what it to be. That's Vayecharad. Not that they were afraid, but rather that they move themselves to get close to the mountain. That's how the Chizkuni translates. And the Ibn Ezra says that the sound of the shofar was so great that it frightened them. They didn't know what to think. Now, the Ayelus HaShachar, this Rav Steinman says, he suggests that it was necessary to get them back into the right frame of mind because Matan Torah was a time of huge simcha. Can you imagine? You're going to be present when a Kaddish Baruch was giving the Torah. They were all unbelievably happy, but that type of simcha sometimes turns into holulus. In other words, some type of partying. And they might not have treated it with the right reverence that they should have done so over here. They're going to have a great connection, but they have to keep their heads. The shofar was there to calm them down. It was sort of like how the Amorayim, would, the Tanoim, would sometimes break glass in the middle of a wedding, right? Like what we do by a chuppah, right? In order to calm everyone down and say, don't go too crazy here. So too, HaKadosh Baruch Hu pulled out the shofar and made it so scary. Yes, it's amazing. Yes, it's an unbelievable time. And yes, but the party has to be within reason. And remember, it's about the connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not about anything else. This Sforna says what happened over here is very similar to what happened 
happened to Elio Anavi when he had the vision of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There was a massive wind that came by and HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Hashem is not in the wind. And then there was a storm. Hashem is not in the storm. Then there was a fire. And Hashem is not in the fire. And then there was a cold demama daka. All those were just the troops that led to the thin sound that represented HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There was an eerie silence that went out in front of Elio Navi, and that's how Elio Navi knew that that, where, that was where HaKadosh Baruch Hu was coming, so to speak. Here, too, there was lots of noise and commotion, the lightning, the thunder, lightning obviously not noise, but the huge light show and the thunder and the chauffeur blast that were going on, and then when the Aserah Sidibros were given, the world went silent, absolutely silent. Now, Mayan Ves Shueva Rav Schwab asks this as a stira. He says, there's a Sifri in Parshas Nasu. It says in this Pasuk, it sounds like a Kaddish Baruch comes with loud noises and massive chauffeur blasts and everything like that. But we see in Malachim Aleph, Perkyotesiot Beis, that's the Pasuk we mentioned Elio and Avi, that a Kaddish Baruch is called the Mamadaka. So which one is more correct? And Schwab gives an answer that's similar to this Sforno, but it's a little bit different. He says, he explains this was the Hakdama and then the Maisa Atzmo, the introduction to a Kaddish Baruch and then what actually happened. There's no, the funny thing is, he says this, there are no real Kaddush in the Aseris of Dibros. They had to keep many of them already from either Mara, they learned keep it up the aim, they learned about Dinim, like Losan, Abarei, Chakar, you can't be a false witness, and Shabbos, they already learned at Mara. Use God's name in vain. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal slash kidnapping are all part of the Sheva Mitzvah's B'nai Noach. They knew all those. So number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine were already well known. Already well known before they even came down to Harasinai. Number ten, Losachmod was the one that was new, but there's no way that the Aserz Dibros was only there for Losachmod. Losachmod couldn't have been the only one there, right? If that was the only one that was right. Says the Aser- says Rav Schwab, the point of the Aserz Dibros was not there to tell them laws that they hadn't heard before. They knew them. They all knew them. The point of this appearance was to show that they had a special neshama that would, would connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a devekas that no other nation would have. Their hearts would be connected to HaKadosh closer than anyone else other than the Avos and Moshe Rabbeinu. There wouldn't be anything like him. And therefore, it was the preparation that they would need to start learning their Torah, to start acting as Klau Yisrael, similar to a baby learning the Torah in the womb, like in Nida Lamana Beis, right? Where it says that the baby learns in the womb before it comes out. The lightning, the thunder, the earthquakes, everything that was there was to imprint this into the minds of Klaistral. Sort of like the birth of the baby coming into the world. Something crazy as a preparation for what's going to be. That's the cold Mamadaka. Kaddish Baruch was the actual cold Mamadaka, but everything else was to get them ready for it, to prepare them for it. So that's the idea of the Sforno. But Schwab puts it in a very beautiful idea. That's the idea behind it. Now, more so. This is the Rabbeinu Bahaya. This is a little crazy. He says the Kolos was not thunder. It was the Malachim praising at Kaddish Baruch They were able to hear the Malachim. Now, other people who heard the Malachim singing died. Like, for example, Sancherev's army. What did they hear that caused them to die? They heard the Malachim singing, and they died. Hearing the Malachim singing is too much for a normal human being. Here, B'nai Yisrael were able to hear the Malachim praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu like they did every single morning. That was the Kolos. The Brachim, the lightning, were the angels. 
Barakim is, call it almost like Barakim, they call it, the ones that stand, that cannot sit down. And therefore was that. There was a thick cloud in between them because if they saw the Malachim directly, they would have died. If they would have heard it directly, they would have died. So the thick cloud, the lightning, the thunder, was not lightning, thunder, and a cloud. It was Malachim singing and they were being blocked from seeing and hearing too much. Even Yechezkel, in his vision, when he looked up to the heavens and he saw everything, he was able to see the Chayos HaKodesh only through a thick cloud and fire. That's brought down in the name of Rabbeinu Hanan, and it's possible that Rabbeinu Nisim says the same. Now the Panini Kedem asks, how is it possible for the Malachim to sing Shira before B'nai Yisrael? Malachim are not allowed to sing Shira before we do. We're supposed to sing Shira first, and then the Malachim. I would have answered simply that that didn't happen until after Matan Torah. I, I, that's the simple answer. But he says that the only reason why that's allowed is because the Malachim have to give a chance for any p- person in B'nai Israel who might die to sing Shira before they get up and sing Shira. So they have to give a chance. But in Matan Torah, nobody was going to die. So because of that, it was a guarantee that everybody was going to live so the Malachim could, dance, could sing and dance first and then B'nai Israel could do it afterward. It's an interesting answer. But I would have gone with the first one, just simply put, that it's not that big of a deal. Matan Torah was different and then afterward everything changed, I would think, yeah. Uh, was there Shira before there were Jews? Definitely, Jewish definitely. Because remember, Esav, Esav's Malach, after fighting Yaakov, you know, said, it's my turn to sing Shira upstairs okay, in Shemayim. So, so then, then do Malchim do sing Shira before Klai Why? No. didn't sing Shira. No, it was later. his turn to sing Shira. That didn't mean he did it before Yaakov, you know. You know what I'm saying? And maybe if B'nai Israel's already made it as a nation, maybe that would be I'm different. Saying, when did they start saying, when did B'nai Israel as a nation start singing don't know. Shira? Mm, that I don't know. But... But I would assume... Well, you're I, saying Avram sang Shira? It ha- sang Shira? Uh, yeah, first of all, they would have sang Shira by Az Yashir, right? So that might have been the first time. Uh-huh. Maybe they did every day. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. Honestly, I don't know. But I would assume Avram... That, that's what we mean by Avram Davin Shacharis. That was the Shira that he davened in Yitzchak and Yaakov, etc. And remember, they didn't wake up late. You know what I'm saying? They went to sleep early. They woke up early. Right? It made sense that they would get there right before dawn and that would be right before the Malachim. But the Shach says something totally different. Listen to this. The Malachim were not praising a Kaddish Baruch Hu. They were crying because they lost the Torah. The Malachim were crying out loud that the Torah was going to be given to human beings. They said, why? Why are we losing it? Because now the Psach is going to be given to them. Loba Shemayini is going to be given in the Torah. Said the Malachim, don't give it down to them. He was so upset by Yehi. Kolos Zubrakim is a Lushan of Tsar. They were in pain. Kolos is written without the Vavin because they had no physicality to them at all. There was no real Kol at all. But it was the Malachim that were singing, instead of singing, crying out loud, upset that the Torah was being given over to Klai. So, yeah. And yet, Ma Enosh Kisis Grenu, right? They asked for it. Right, but just to learn them, whatever the Malachim have, that's what they wanted. Again, they argued. They said, Moshe Rabbeinu shouldn't get him. What's he doing? What's Moshe Rabbeinu doing here? Okay, there are like 16 answers. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you want the Marsha, the Ben Yoyada, the Ben Yo? Like, what do you want for that? It's like 16, it's the Gemara and Zion, right? They wanted the concept of what it meant to get closer to our Kaddish Baruch, the Tveikus Toshem. Even they want Tveikus Toshem. So either way, like, whatever you want to go with, that's the idea. If we said the Malachim are static, they can't rise any more than where they are, then 
But even that, they might not rise, they might not get an aliyah, but nonetheless, there's a connection to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, they all desire. That's the Kaddish, 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 Hashem, Svakos, the Baruch Hu, Hashem, Nkomo. Right, 100%. So there's something to the Torah, 100%. Yeah, there's something that they would get. Okay, the Rabbinah B'chayah says, in Pshat, though, right, that's all the Malachim, in Pshat, it was actually very cloudy, with lightning and thunder and a bit of rain falling down. First, there were clouds with rain. Then there was lightning, and then there was thunder, which makes sense. Usually you see lightning before you hear thunder, right? I'm sorry? No, 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 this could, this, this, lightning and thunder does happen everywhere. You should know that. Just, I, I want to make sure that you know that. You do know that, right? Okay, make sure. But even though the Pusik says that thunder came before the lightning, which is impossible, you can't hear the thunder before you see the lightning, says Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, we only did that to separate the thunder from the kola shofar. Because you might think that if it said brakim, the kolos, the kol shofar, you might think the kolos are the kol shofar. So therefore it says kolos, ubrakim, the kol shofar. But really it was the lightning before the thunder, and the thunder was separated from the kol shofar to make sure they wouldn't, they wouldn't knock each other out, and that the decibel level was greater by the shofar than it was by the thunder. But there was thunder that they could still hear even though they were hearing the show for itself. But the Malbam on the other side says, he says no. He says no. It really was thunder before lightning, which is impossible. But Akadosh Baruch Hu made the thunder happen and the lightning, and then afterward the Kola Show 4. There were no clouds there for the thunder and lightning. There was a thick cloud, but not rain clouds in which that went around them, that went around the mountain itself, but it had nothing to do with the lightning and the thunder. The lightning and the thunder were going out of order without any clouds and rain was falling without any clouds. They had no idea what was going on. It was beyond nature. That's the idea behind it. That's how the Malbim says and everything was over here. Then Itziv says something over here as well. The Kliakar points out that a chauffeur is actually the exact opposite of lightning and thunder. Lightning is a flash for a moment. Thunder you can hear for a second, maybe a couple seconds, but the chauffeur blast went on and on and on and on. In this case, it kept getting stronger as time went on. It felt like it was getting stronger and stronger. It may hint to the two types of people who accept the Torah. There are some people who are elders, who are Talmudic Chachamim, who accept the Torah and continue to grow as the Torah is given to them. And there are others, Ami Aratim, who actually become dumber from this type of experience. You give them Torah, and they actually become worse because of it. The shofar which emanated from the Isle of Yitzchak Avinu, that kept getting stronger, represented the Zikanim, who get better, got better and better and better and better. But shofar is the lashon of Shifru Ma'asechem, do yourself better, become better, and that they did. But the thick clouds and the lightning slash thunder represented the older people whose experiences enhanced them just for a short time. They felt no significance. They didn't feel any better from it. They heard it, and they were like, that was super cool. All right, what's for dinner? They couldn't think about this after it happened to them. To them, it was just a cool experience. It was like a great thing to see. Wow, we're so glad that we were there. But then we have to eat dinner, right? We got to have dinner. There's a difference between those two. So that's the cold chauffeur versus the lightning and the thunder. Who was there did not see or hear any of this. Right, that Rav Rav weren't involved, but this was part of an ASL. There were other people that were there, possibly. They might have slept through. They weren't woken up. Because the lightning and thunder were not natural lightning and thunder, so it may have only been heard by Ben Israel. Now, Pirkei Rebbe Lezor says it was the left horn of the Isle of the Akedah that was used at Harsinai. The right horn will be used Asid in the future to announce the coming of Mashiach. That's going to be the right horn. We know right? there's length of days on the right side. In the left side, there's riches and there's kavod. So it, the results of our Torah learning, if we get involved with physical means, such as honor or wealth, 
That's the left horn. That's what they had, so to speak. That's what it was. They couldn't see spiritual reward. They had no idea what Olam Haba was going to be. And in the future, the right horn will be used. That it will show us the Arichos Yomim that we'll have through learning Torah. And we'll have a tremendous amount of spirituality, Ruchnius, that will be added to our lives once we have it. The tour says this as well. In Orachim Simon Tof Zion, the name of his brother, Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda was actually greater than the tour. Can you imagine? Ben Yaakov and Rabbi Yehuda were both, both sons of the Rosh. Rabbi Nuasher. Rabbi Yehuda was the famous one. <laughs> that he was the one that took over his father's, you know, kihila and did everything. Rabbi Yaakov was like the Nebuch who wrote the tour. <laughs> it's like it's unbelievable. Rabbi Yaakov quotes his brother Rabbi Yehuda and Rashi as well. And Pesukim, they all say it's from the horn of the Isle, the Akedas Yitzchak, and the next horn is going to be used, etc. Ramban in Pesukim Gimel, he doesn't understand this because the Isle of the Akedah was supposed to be a korban ola. A korban ola is burned entirely, including the horns and the hooves. So therefore, he wonders. He says, "How is it possible?" He says, by the way, that is a little bit of a machlokas. But either way, he says it's possible that a Kaddish Baruch who gathered together the ashes again, reformed it, and made it into the aisle, into the horn that was used then and will be used in the future. And that's Adibian. Rechaim Knievsky, he points out that every time in this parsha, shofar appears without a vav. Right? So he says it's without a vav the whole time. Which means there was something there that could not be seen. It was a shofar that was unseen. And that was the chauffeur that we're talking about. Even though the horn of the ram of the Akedah was used, it was not seen by Claudius. So as opposed to the chauffeur in the future, Yitokaba, chauffeur Gadol, that chauffeur is a, with a vav. So it's going to be a real chauffeur. The chauffeur will be appearing in the sky and we'll be able to hear and see both of them. He says there are other times, six other times where chauffeur is written without a vav. We have to figure out why they're written without a vav. But every time here, it's without a vav because they couldn't see it. So that might be a little bit different. Now the Ksav Silver says the reason why the ram's horn is used is because Yitzchak was willing to be Moser Nefesh for HaKadosh Baruch Hu and die Al Kiddushem for the Akedah, right? That's what he's willing to do. We have to be willing to do that as well. The fact that it got louder and louder, said the Ksav Sofer, shows that we should always be trying to grow and get to the next level. Like the Kliyakr said, be the Zekanim that keep growing from it and start off with Almanas Kabul Pras and eventually do it as much L'Shem Shemaim as we possibly can. We always have to be growing and that's the concept of this shofar. The Rabbeinu Ephraim says the missing bub from the Kol Shofar hints that they heard the sound of the shofar from all six sides around them. The bub is for this way, that way, that way, that way, up and down. So all six sounds, the shofar felt like it was coming from everywhere and they felt it all around them at the time. I'm sorry? What do you mean by down? Like an earthquake? Like even from the ground below them, they could even hear something. Shalom? Oh, um, was Rabbi using Rechaim Knesset to answer for the Ramban, meaning that it wasn't there I'm not answering. No. The Ramban, yeah, I'm, I'm using it as separate because once you get into it, then Tommy Dakota just brings up the show for itself. But I'm not answering the Ramban. It's an interesting Ramban. It's an interesting question altogether. The Barbanel says there were eight plumes that were created on that day. The thunder, the lightning, the thick cloud that covered the mountain, the bit of the rain that fell, the chauffeur that kept getting stronger and stronger as it went on, the voice of Hashem that came from the mountain of fire, the special fire and the smoke that happened right before the tor- right there, and the earthquake. All eight of those things were things that were created on that day. These things seem to be natural, says the Abarbanel. All part of my sabracious, but they didn't occur naturally. For example, like we said before, like the Malvum says, right? The cloud was not a rain cloud. The rain, the lightning, the thunder did not come from the clouds above. It appeared right around them on their own. There was no chauffeur, and the thick cloud was something they had never seen before. It didn't look like a regular cumulus cloud that you'd have by rain, etc. There was no fault line under Harsina to cause an earthquake, so it was nothing like that. So they were just seeing things that they had never seen before there's no fault line there. Like, why was there an earthquake? It all alludes to something special, says the Abarbanel. He gives, it's funny how the Abarbanel does this. He quotes some 
Christian whatever it is who says that. And he says, like, I, I, I don't like what he says over here. And he says his own pshat. He says, HaKadosh Baruch was showing him there are two ways to achieve greatness, right, and understanding. One is through investigation through scientific means. In other words, going ahead and experimenting and then afterward doing something because of that, having a result and doing stuff, hypothesis, etc. You know, the whole scientific method and that's the idea behind it. Now, the other is through prophetic intervention, what we call Ratzon Eloki and Chochmas Elokis. He says, that's the idea behind it. There's almost like a Chesed Elyon that comes down. The first works, but the problem is, is that you never have any idea what to do because obviously every scientist that comes along is only going to be as good as the scientific method of his time. So as much as we think right now, we've pretty much figured out the world. We pretty much know how everything works. There's going to be something that happens 100 years from now that's going to make these scientists look like absolute idiots. The same way we make our Aristotle look like an idiot now. It's not his fault. What his scientific method back then was, he didn't have anything else. How was he supposed to know? He had absolutely no idea. So he figured the world was created in such a weird way, and that was that. It's just, that's the way it is. Every scientist will have steras one after the other. As of right now, we believe that Sir Isaac Newton, who, by the way, was a Talmudist in a way, right? He did learn the Talmud, and he had connections with a lot of Jews. a very special person, Sir Isaac Newton. But we assume that gravity is the reason for most things in this world. And if we figure out gravity, then we can figure out everything else, etc. But it could be that that's wrong. So many scientists believe in the theory of evolution, but it's been a theory for 180 years and never been proven. As much as Wikipedia wants to tell you that it is, it's written by idiots. There's no way that you can prove. It's been 180 years and you've had the whole scientific community trying to prove it, and they can't. It's still a theory. So it might be that, yes, it makes the most sense where we are today, that that would be it. But all it takes is one person to be able to figure out something better, and then everything changes. That's when it comes to scientific opinion. When it comes to the Torah itself, it's very different. It's very, very different because you can have different opinions that work together. And although we have to pask in one way because we are in a finite world, this is what the Malachim wanted. The Malachim wanted a world where every part of the Torah is 100% true because there's emes behind every single opinion. Beishamai and Beishelo, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Tarfan. Everything works all together if you know how to make them work. And he says that this is the idea. Lightning and thunder making a lot of noise, a lot of flashes. That stands for the scientific method because it's there for a second and then it's gone. It makes a lot of noise, but it doesn't last. All of that, the bit of rain is that you're only able to get a little bit of it and there's a huge cloud, a thick cloud that covers everything up that makes sure you, you're, you're not clear about anything because you're not sure using that scientific method as opposed to the kol shofar, which refers to the hashkacha from above and a Kaddish Baruch wants to give it from above. It's a true call from above that keeps getting stronger and stronger as it goes on. It was something that scared B'nai Yisrael because they couldn't see where it was coming from. They seemed to come from everywhere as well as once because that's what Nebuah is. The fire and the smoke together, although there's smoke here wasn't exactly a cloud. It refers to the Shekhinah, the power that cannot be fathomed by us. And although we could be confused about what to do when it comes to science, when it comes to Nebuah, there are no Sveikos. It's Chochmas Alokis. It's Elu Ve'elu Kim Chaim. We have to understand it as something different. That's how the Abarbanel puts it, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. There's a Ksavah Kabbalah here, which is also an amazing Ksavah Kabbalah, but it's not for right now. It was a long Ksavah Kabbalah. He's got every word, every single word in the Pesach, and it's beautiful, but it just took a long time to write down. It was a whole page, and I was like, I, I can't go through this now. There's a Rabbeinu Ephraim here as well that I, I, I don't really get it. He says that the rain started six hours into the day, but that would have been after Matan Torah. 
And I don't know if he means that the rain came and washed out everything after it was done. But then I saw that the Rokeach says that it happened six hours into the night. So it happened at midnight, and then I guess it went until the morning. I'm not sure. I, I really am not sure. I'm not even so sure I learned it correctly, because it was a weird Rabbeinu Ephraim. But Biyos Abokir is missing a Vav. And because it's missing a Vav, in Biyos, he says that's why. The Vav stands for six hours. And I'm not even so sure what the significance of that six hours was. So I have some theories, but... I'm not so good with it. The Torah Moore says that each part of this Pusik represents one of the Avos to show that Matan Torah happened in the schus of the Avos themselves. Avram, you know, was Vayashkim Avram Baboker. So Vayibiyos Baboker. That makes sense, right? The Kol Shofar Chazak Ma'od is obviously Yitzchak, you know, with the Akedis Yitzchak, with the Kol Shofar Chazak Ma'od. That later when Moshe Ben took Ben Yisrael from the Machna, it was the schus of Yaakov Avinu, Right? It's not in this puzzle, but later on. Yaakovina was the Machana and Nishar Lefleta. He also saw Machanoyim. He made the camps of Malachim, etc. The Malachim complained that they didn't want the Torah to be given to the people. So this Chosavos was very necessary for them to get it. Klau Yisrael, also, they had to do something at this time. So that's the word Naaseh before Nishma. They had to have some Schos. Maybe there was another Schos as well. Rabbi Yudah Saad says, why, when it says Vayecharad, it should have been Vayechardu, Vayechridu. I don't, I don't know Diktuk well enough. But I know it is. Vayechardu or Vayechridu or Vayechardu. I have no idea. Whichever one it is. But it should be in plural. She says, it's like the same idea. Vayichana Om Negedahor. That it's singular because they found Achdus and they came together. So Rabbi Yudah Saad says that this Pasuk, Yir Mia, Perak Dala Pasuk Yitas, the shofar represents Truas Mohama. Everyone comes together in order to fight against the common people. That's the idea. It shows Achdus. And it's perhaps this idea is Vayechardu is written in singular form to show that everybody came together after the shofar that came as one. They were scared together as one, helping each other out, and that was the schus for them to get the Torah, something they had, which is interesting, because Malachim don't have that. Kara ze'ol ze'v yamar. They're nosnim rishus ze'la ze'v. They give rishus to each other to sing, but they're not together as one. Each one is a separate entity. And that's something that Kalei Yisrael had that the Malachim can't have. That's the idea. The Ozayim Torah also points out they didn't run away. They wanted to. Remember we said that before. They were scared out of their minds. They wanted to run. It's natural to run away from something when you get super scared of something. But Israel didn't do so because they knew it was there. They knew what HaKadosh Baruch was doing. They wanted to stay. Yeah. Well, I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu ran away when he first saw Right, but there was a different reason for that. You're right. You're 100% right for that. When Moshe Rabbeinu saw what was happening with the snake, with the snake, not by the snake, he he didn't want to look at it because he didn't want to see the Shekinah, but when he saw the snake for the first time, then he ran away because, according to different ideas, either he was running away from leadership position, he recognized how hard this is going to be, or he saw that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was going to ask him to give up his whole life, and that's what he ran away from. Not to that. This is an interesting idea, Like, but you're right. Obviously, there is something that Moshe Rabbeinu was blaming aimed for for running away from that area. You're 100% right about that. We're going to end with this. The Baal Shem Tov used used to say, this is in Kesar Shem Tov, that if B'nai Yisrael were Zoha and they were Tahor enough, if they were being Makadish themselves with Torah and Mitzvot, they'd be able to hear a Kaddish Baruch Hu's voice talking even today, as it was on Har Sinai back then. Meaning the voice is still going. If we knew how to listen to it, we'd hear it even now. Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac of Kamarno. I'm sorry? Similar. Similar. Yeah, I always understood that Gemara and Chagiga where it says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to the Olam, die, that he said enough and he stopped the world from keep going, like the Shesi, like almost as if it's unraveling, like the Gemara and Chagiga. I always understood in Yudbeis. I thought that that's what it meant over here, that he stopped 
that Maisa Bereshis. That Maisa Bereshis keeps going on, but meaning the speech of how HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world. There's constant renewal every second, but it's not the renewal from before. It's a different type of renewal every second. That's why I understood it. But this is a little bit different. This is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Dibor. The same words over and over again are being said at, on a loop, so to speak, over and over again. It's like having that thing on Spotify and just keeping it on that one thing and just going over, yeah, Anochi Hashem straight to the end. But that's what it seems to be over here. Yitzhak Isaac Kamarnik testified about him, about the Baal Shem Tov, that when he learned Torah with this Talmudim, a fire appeared to surround them. The Malachim gathered to hear their praises and they could even hear the Aseris Adibros being said in the background. Can you imagine? If only we'd be able to hear that today. It's just a crazy thing to be able to think about. I think I saw that in the Otsar Plosa Torah, but the truth is, I saw it was all last night. I just put together everything last night. So I'm not positive that I'm quoting it correctly. I don't know if that was the Otsar Plosa Torah or if it's safer that I had another thing from the Yasef Avram or if I saw, found it in the Baal Shem Tov Torah itself. I'm not sure where I got that from. But either way, regardless, it's an unbelievable thing to think about. But that should be the idea behind this Plosa itself. There's a couple other things. I really, if you can see that Ksavah Kabbalah, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Stop with that, guys. Have